0: Thank you for tuning in to the WAM podcast, where women empower women
1: in business and manufacturing. Good afternoon, and welcome to Women and Manufacturing. I'm Lydia DiLiello, the CEO and founder of Capital Pricing Consultants. And for today, I'll be your host of WAM. Today, I'd like to welcome Jessica Novescuz, who is a senior manufacturing executive. Jessica has been with several companies, and we are delighted to have her with us because of her breadth and expertise. So Jessica, welcome to Wham! Thank you, Lydia. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Now Jessica, I was looking at your biography, and you have very interesting background in that you have an architecture degree from Peru, if I read correctly, and then your MBA was from Costa Rica. Is that correct? That is correct, Lydia. Yes. So what a great skill set to bring from an international perspective, from a building's perspective, and then from manufacturing. What a great way to pull it all together. Thank you, Lydia. Yes. I like
0: to say that I'm a citizen of the world. You know, work has taken me to different countries and that's how I have my degrees in different countries as well
1: which makes you particularly then sensitive to all of the different cultures that you've had to deal with in your various roles. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Jessica, how culture has played a role in the different jobs that you've had? Both, I believe you were with Alora as the CEO, and for our viewers and listeners, that's a fiber cement siding manufacturer. And then from there, you went on to be the president of Buildings and Components Division for Cornerstone Building Brands.
0: Yes, that's correct. Absolutely. I'm passionate about culture, building culture in the company and environment, and having that as your DNA is critical and very important for every organization. I like to say I have a very favorite uh, quote from Peter Drucker, and I like to say, culture is a strategy for breakfast. It doesn't matter how good of a strategy you have. On how well of an execution you do, if the culture is not the right culture, you're going to fail. You really have to have purpose. You have to have that diversity and inclusion. You have to have that. High accountability culture to be able to go with the strategy and accomplish your goals. A positive culture, of course, brings good communication and that helps employees to collaborate and have that collaborative environment. And uh, basically, I see it as the DNA, Lydia. If you don't have that, it's going to be very complicated. You might see some companies that have great processes and great products. And they can do very well for a few years, but at some point, if they don't invest in creating that culture and maintain that culture,
1: it's going to be difficult. You know, if companies don't invest in the culture and maintain the culture, then at that point, they really, they lose the whole point of what they were doing. Is that right? Correct. They won't be able to have a sustainable business. I had the pleasure of working with you on a project, and I saw you drive that firsthand Where within the sales organization, you insisted on a consistent culture all the way through. And talk a little bit about how you've seen firsthand how it changes how a project runs when culture is instilled in the DNA.
0: Yes, I think everything goes hand in hand, right? If you have the right people on the bus and you have the right culture, they all going to understand what is necessary for the company to succeed. And there as as well, them as individuals and professionals. I think if you have that and open communication, they understand what is that we want to accomplish in every single project and within internal people or external, like in the case that we work together. I mean, it's important that they do that so they can deliver, and deliver well on their and results. Deliver. It's easier when yeah. you communicate and you create that collaborative environment and when your team is aware of what is the outcome that you desire right? It's important for them to understand what it is that we're looking for. And with that openness and with that collaborative environment, based on that high performance and accountability culture, I think everything starts going like very smooth because all the pieces fall in the right place.
1: Now, that makes a lot of sense. And you also mentioned that with that culture, then It enables communication that otherwise would be more difficult. Can you speak to that a little bit so that our listeners get a better feel for how to marry really the culture of a business and how does that translate into better communication throughout the organization?
0: Yes. So the way I see it is a well-defined, inclusive, and positive corporate culture is the glue that binds an, an organization with its people, right? So if you have that culture and you have that openness and you have that positive environment, that is going to be what you can put together all the team. If you have that, There might be sometimes that the market is down or some other external situations where it's going to impact your company and your performance. But if you have that, I think it's going to be easier for a company to maintain their position and to survive those strong, difficult times where you have to sometimes make tough decisions.
1: And that then really speaks to kind of your perspective around how do you support people As part of this process, because really, if we're talking about setting a company culture and then ensuring that communication is consistent and clear throughout that organization, it always goes back to the people. And you've had very, very large organizations talk to the idea about how do you communicate when you have hundreds and hundreds of employees? (laughs)
0: Well, the people that have worked with me can tell you that I always use this phrase, there's not such a thing as over communicate, right? I am obsessed with communication. And that goes from Having your open door policy to boards at every single location, having a very standardized communication, walking on the plants with the people, talk to the operators. You have no idea, Lydia, how much I've learned in my career talking to the operators of the plants. It's amazing. I had the opportunity when I was with Cornerstone to have meetings and town halls with the people at the plant in Spanish. And that was the very first time ever in their lives that they had a town hall in Spanish. It was such a great and a pleasure to hear from firsthand from them saying, this is the first time that we hear in our language and uh, the messages that the company has to say. So I think you can connect at every level different level. Depending on your audience, of course, you're going to use a different type of communication. But if your messages are aligned and you have a constant communication, that's beautiful. And I
1: think you make such a critical point, Jessica, about how often do global companies, Well, they standardize everything to English, I think there is a natural tendency to forget that if we're saying we're global, then global means that if we are in a Spanish-speaking country, We ought to be delivering that message in Spanish first and then translate it to English, not the other way around, because I would expect that they shared so much more with you, even as a senior executive, where generally I always found that there was arms distance, right? As soon as your position goes up, if you are delivering a message, people share less and less because they don't know how it's going to be used. And I think they fear it's quote, used against them in some way. But I would bet that in the case where you were delivering this in Spanish, you had wonderful rapport with people.
0: Yes, yes. I'm very open and, and I like to talk with the team. You know, I've held higher positions. And when I started my career 25 years ago or more, I also was in the lower ranks, but I always liked to have those moments and those conversations. I always like to hear what they have to say at the different levels and you can learn so much. And I think I'm obsessed with communication because that aligns very well. I have an experience when I was working with a fiber cement company, we were producing some products in Central America and sent into US and we were having quality problems. So I decided to go to one of the plants in Central America and held a town hall where I explained and show pictures of the product being installed and used. And I said, this is why it's so important these quality things get resolved, because look at this house in the US, this is where the product is going. And just then it clicked into the operators that why it was necessary that the product had certain qualities, And and characteristics, oh, that is why they asked me to do this or that. Oh, I now understand. So it was beautiful to see how just the communication solved the problem.
1: But your hands-on approach, Jessica, of taking to that person and making it personal and saying, here's what the end result looks like. So now they are bought into the process because now they see where what they've touched is going into someone else's home. And so I think that changes things. I love the idea of management by walking around. And I am so with you that the best information I ever get is when I walk shop floors because you really can see what's going on and the operators feel encouraged to give you input about what's working or what's not working and why and what we could do differently. And I always get excited when I see someone points something out that has value and can save the company money or gives value to the customer. But those are the people that are doing the jobs. So they're our best resource. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And you have, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. And they have so much knowledge. I think it's so important that they feel that their voices are being heard. And when a senior executive goes to them and says, in a town hall, what would you do differently? How can we make this better? How can we avoid this in the future? That has to have very significant weight because I'm sure you also then followed up back with them after you got the recommendations to say. (laughs) (laughs) So talk a bit about that process, if you will, in terms of the importance of the follow up after.
0: Yes, of course. It's important to do that because the same way you show interest and you show that collaborative and openness with every single person in the organization, once you have the The time to say, okay, what do you think? What would you do this, or how would you manage or handle this situation, or what would you do in this case that we have this such a problem or this situation? And you walk away, and you maybe have other input, and you decide on something to approach that that situation. Then the situation or the problem is resolved. Okay, I mean, you have to go back to your source, right, and say guess what this is what we did it was a great input it was a great advice your idea was superb and this is how we did it and this is how we fix it because that it closes the loop of not just the communication but also the engagement and that is part of the culture right you are using a little bit of everything For to create that culture with good communication, open communication, with the culture and engagement of the team, that is where everything falls at the end of the day, right? Going back to that people and going back to the engagement
1: that they they can have. And that also speaks to, you know, you and I were speaking just a little bit before off camera, and one of the things that you brought up was the idea of metrics, and how critical they are. And so I'm sure that metrics play in not only when you're reporting out at an executive level, but also as you're, when you come back and close that loop with all the people you've been working with to say, we measured it here, and now we're here. And how does that compare?
0: Absolutely. You have to measure decision-making, Lydia. That's the reality, right? I think judgment and hunch and experience are good. I mean, I I never leave a hunch just there, right? I always try to hear my inner voice uh, because it's powerful. But I think it's better if your decision-making is also based on numbers. I like to make decisions. I've made good and bad decisions in my career and my life, but I tell my kids as well on my team's, You have to make decisions, right? I mean, the worst that can happen is you don't, I mean, have paralysis by analysis and not anything, (laughs) right? So in that regard, I always say you have to measure your decision making. And in order to have and make educated decision, you have to have a metrics. So whatever we don't measure, we don't improve. Right? So we, you have to have a start point and then at midpoint and end point and everything being able to say, okay, we did better, we are the same. We went backwards, whatever the case is. So I think the metrics as well help you drive performance. You drive the strategy and direction of the organization. the drive improvement and also help business to focus their people and their resources on what's important. Because if you don't have metrics... You don't have the north or the map that you can tell your team, okay, this is what I need you to focus on. We need to improve this or we need to do that, right? So metrics help you with that.
1: And do you have a set of of metrics that you always go back to, Jessica, kind of your tried and true top metrics, or or do you choose those based upon each project differently?
0: Yeah, I, I don't have a base of metrics. Of course the financial metrics are all are always the same right mm-hmm. either the ebitda the gross margin the the, the profits etc right the costs but i always go depending on the company that i've been or the project i measure differently in some cases they are more of a soft measurements but it's they're more difficult but it's still it's important as well right i think it's important as well to adapt to whatever the industry that you are in or the the business business to see what is important to measure.
1: Well, and I think that's a really critical point as well, Jessica, because so often I've seen companies who are so set on a specific four or five metrics, for example, and when they become a little more open-minded and measure differently, they learn so much more. I don't know how you feel about this, but my perspective is always Add some additional metrics in and see what you learn. If nobody finds them useful, throw them out, but at least try something else. Because if we only look at it the same way every single time, then how do we ever get perspective on it? Yes. Yes. I've
0: seen that too, Lydia. And also the opposite where they measure so many things. They have so many metrics. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when I ask, okay, what are we getting out of this? I mean, I'm, what I'm seeing here, I don't understand exactly what I'm getting, right? So it's important sometimes to stop, analyze and say, okay, am I getting what I need out of this? Is this exactly what
1: I need to measure, right? I totally agree with you. The opposite holds true as well. I have seen companies with a sheet so jammed with metrics and they say it's a dashboard and you no one could interpret the mess that was on the page. Yeah, I mean, so it's really good to be able to edit them out as well. So, kind of, Jessica, as we we begin to wrap up here, I would like to talk for a few minutes about innovation. Tell Mm -hmm. me what your experience has been with innovation and why you feel that that's critically important.
0: Yes. Well, innovation, I see it as a whole, right? We can innovate not just as a product development, but innovation and in processes, innovation in many, many, many things, right? I think today, company that does not innovate is going to be in trouble, right? There are so many areas that you can approach with the innovation, and you also need to create the culture for that, right? A culture of innovation. You need to set your objectives and the starting point for the innovation funnel is visually or usually to ask for ideas, right? One of the companies I worked for, they had a great system that was something like imagine in a manageable businesses, something like that. It was like something that you've never imagined. Try to imagine that as an idea, Right. And they have little places where you would go and grab the paper and you would write your ideas and put them there. And from there, there was a, a massive group of people that would read all the ideas, et cetera. It was a long and tedious process. But the important thing that I can get out of it is that everyone, the whole company, was always thinking about uh, what idea to throw out there. Right. So it's important, I think, to innovate with processes, with change of different direction, innovate as far as new products, innovate as far as anything, right? The minimum things that you can think that can be beneficial for either the employees or the customers or the company in general, I think it's important to find out that as its innovation Mm -hmm. as a whole.
1: It's interesting, Jessica, that you mentioned that that process was somewhat tedious. And and it sounds, as you were describing it, I could kind of see in my mind's eye how it was working. And I'm thinking to myself, but you made a point early when we spoke that if you don't measure it, if you don't focus on it, it's not going to change. And so clearly this company felt that creating such a detailed, tedious process ensured that everyone was always focused on it. And so... They no doubt gathered so many more ideas than they would have ever gotten by just saying, you know, submit your ideas here kind of thing in a box rather than the process that you were describing. Do you have any favorite stories of innovations that you and a team came up with? I don't think I have any favorite. I was, as part of my
0: roles, as a matter of fact, I was at the R&D Center. And as a part of the Research and Development Center, you have to, to be very creative and innovate, right? And I was part of that team. And I remember presenting, because funny to say, but we would create things based on whatever we thought it was best. I mean, not basically on, okay, this is what the customer needs, etc. And I remember that you always have a different type of personalities in teams. And the, there was this person that was a naysayer, right? So we would present, <laughs> we would present, and she will always say, the person will always say, oh, no, that's not going to work, right? That's not going <laughs> to happen. And when we would ask, okay, why or what do you suggest? that person wouldn't have any answer. So I think it's important around this topic to try to isolate a little bit the people that will be against innovation or against change or against do things differently and not just to isolate and put them in a black room and don't do anything like that, but take that energy and try to funnel that in a different way, right? And maybe try to bring them on board with different ideas like, okay, well, you're going to be in charge of just measure this or just analyze what this has been done compared to other things that were done before years. So it's important because otherwise that can permeate to the rest of the team. And at the end of the day, it's going to be like, okay, well, no, what are we going to do this? It's going to be, it's a hard job to innovate and create the culture of innovation because it's a different mindset. You know, sometimes it's natural of the human being to stay in the comfort zone. We can blame anybody that says, ah, I don't know if we should go into the innovation now, but more and more, we're seeing stories of companies that don't adapt and don't innovate are going
1: to fail. I completely agree. And I think your point is very well taken and will resonate with the audience about, we all like our comfort zone. And and when you innovate, there's risk. And you mentioned earlier that you always supported your teams and told them, you know, it doesn't matter if it fails, but let's try. And Mm -hmm. I believe that that kind of support and that kind of insurance policy, so to speak, Mm -hmm. as a, a senior executive of telling people, okay, if you screw this up, it's fine, but do something, just try. Yes. gives them reassurance because we want to hear the same thing from our bosses about, all right, if this falls flat, just start over, do something else, but try something. And so I think innovation really culminates from all the things that we've been talking about today in terms of the people, communication, culture, and how all of that experience comes together to give people that creative juice they need to move forward.
0: Yes, Lydia.
1: I always like
0: to put it in buckets, like people, processes, and systems, and communication, culture, and innovation, right? Of course, they're all like, you know, they cross through each other, right? It's almost like a cell, like a human cell that they have connections everywhere. But I like to put it that way because I'm always thinking of those things as as something very, very important for the organization, for any company, and especially for manufacturing.
1: And Jessica, to me, it's almost like, you know, when we go get a six pack, whether that's a beer or wine in cans these days or soft drinks, right, that plastic thing, the ring that holds yeah. all six cans together, you think about it, that really is like what you just described, the six buckets all working together with each other to make one unit that functions. That's correct, Lydia, is a good analogy. <laughs> Well, Jessica, any final thoughts here as we close out today? It's been such a pleasure to have you. Oh, thank you, Lydia. Thank you.
0: No, well, well, I think, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I really like to think about these topics and to talk about this. I'm very passionate about the culture. People, it's important for us, the, the diversity. And, and I always talk about the diversity of thought is one of the most important for the innovation and then the communication. So I think anytime I could spend hours talking about these topics, I'm sure you have a busy agenda. So thank you so much. I think if the companies... Think about this as a whole, as a cell, as, a, as the DNA of their own companies, and how to invest in people, innovation, keep the communication open. I think it's a recipe for success, to be
1: honest. Well, I think that's a wonderful note to end on, Jessica. So once again... Our thanks for being my guest today. It was such a pleasure to have you. And for those of you who are viewing the program today, remember that Jacket Media Company has four other manufacturing podcasts, which include Manufacturing Talk Radio, which speaks about a broad range of manufacturing topics, our podcast, of course, which empowers women in business and manufacturing, Hazard Girls, which highlights unusual roles of women in industry, and finally... Manufacturing Matters with Cliff Waldman, and that speaks about manufacturing and the economy. So until next time, I look forward to hosting WAM again. And Jessica, thank you so much. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you for joining the WAM
0: podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in.